1: Well, hello, John. It feels like a long time since we did an episode of Flight Safety Detectives. I'll tell you, I have been just nuts with aircraft accidents, running all over the countryside, doing investigations. I think I'm going to buy a house down in Nashville because I've been down there so many times out at a boneyard looking at multiple aircraft wreckages. It's just crazy right now. So uh, I apologize. I apologize for uh not being able to uh to produce a show just a crazy crazy schedule but i know your schedule has been crazy you were traveling last week uh out to an air show and so uh between the two of us unfortunately um life and work is keeping us real busy
2: yes i had the air show plus i had uh, an aircraft damage uh issue to deal with so it's been busy and it's this week is it's busy again. So it's uh, it's it's uh, a difficult time. And boy, are we cracking up airplanes? We are. I mean, it's just I, I can't believe the number of accidents that that are piling up. And we had another
1: one involving an instructor. Yep. yeah, in an in a airplane that's near and dear to my heart, a Comanche. And um, as we record this show, I just got notified. I mean, we've already had two accidents in the last six, seven weeks out here in Colorado. I just got notified of another accident that happened up in a place uh, just above Boulder. So I'm sure I'll be uh, hearing about that and getting involved to talk about it here shortly. I don't know what's going on, John. I don't know what's in the water, but uh, it is not very good right now. And you and I, because we've been spread out um, we are, again, over the next couple of weeks, uh, you and I are going to be on the road. So we, uh, we are not going to have a, a new show for next week, but we will be on travel heading towards Oshkosh, where we will meet up again in, line, in person and, uh, and be talking to not only friends and colleagues that we're going to see at Oshkosh, but we're going to try and uh, get the, uh, the audience involved in a couple of shows that uh we think will be very interesting cuz we're going to we're going to track down some of our friends and uh and talk about aviation safety issues and some accidents that uh we think especially in the air show community have been very poignant especially the most recent accident where one of uh the more prominent air show folks uh Dale Snodgrass was killed in uh in his aircraft because of a gust lock issue and, yeah. um, and, when, when you look at, and when you look at Dale's accident, it just demonstrates that it doesn't matter who you are. You're never, ever immune to an accident.
2: And where's the pre-flight? I mean, I, 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 I've said it a million times on the show. I feel like a preacher. I see it every day that I go out and sit at the airport. Right? The pre-flights I see, are the average is not very good. Not very good. Yeah. And it's just, it's just baffling. I mean, you've got to spend a few minutes looking at your airplane. It's not a walk in in the park where you just walk around the airplane. You've got to look at it. You've got to touch it. You know, I tell people when I get to them, you know, move the flight controls. If you do it often enough, you'll pick up when, when there's a problem. Yep. You won't pick it up the first time unless it's really gross. But if you do it often enough, just wiggle the tabs, wiggle the flight controls. All of a sudden, one day you'll say, whoa,
1: that feels different. Yeah. And in this case, you know, there's some human factors issues involved with this particular accident with Dale. Um, It's a relatively new airplane to him. The gust lock in this particular airplane actually sits underneath the pilot seat. You can still taxi the airplane utilizing the rudder because the, and in uh, the tail wheel steering, if you will, but the rudder, for it, because it's a tail dragger. Um, but in a Cessna 172, 152, you can have the gust lock in the handle, in the control yoke um, and still taxi the airplane because it doesn't lock the rudder and the nose wheel steering. And that could give you a false sense of security. So these are human factors issues that we're gonna dive into because it's these little things like we always talk about and you always preach with the pre-flight. It's the little things. It's not the big things that'll hurt you or kill you. And um, and this is just a perfect example of a very very experienced pilot who uh, put himself in a in a position of jeopardy. And he's not the only one that has had an accident in this particular airplane with this gust lock system. So it gets down to the human factors and really understanding your airplane, knowing your airplane. And like you said, it, I mean, even if you uh, you know want to just quote kick the tires, light the fire, and get out of there. If you walk around the airplane and you move the elevator up and down and it doesn't move, it's got to cue you to, hmm, either there's something mechanically wrong or the gust lock's installed. Yes.
2: Yes, and you should know where the gust lock is and which controls it locks. I mean, yep. just how much, you know, how much knowledge does a pilot have to be able to fly an airplane safely? Well, we, we try to commit a million things to memory, Right and uh, and sometimes humans can't do that, but there are some basics you should we should do. You should know if you if you have trouble memorizing everything, you should have a manual that's been highlighted on pages with things that'll pop out to you. I mean, there's lots of tricks that you can do uh, to keep keep you mentally engaged in a in an area that has a million subjects in it.
1: Yep. Uh, no, you you bring up a good point, John, and that is. That's why it's always good to sit down and refresh yourself with the uh, with the AFM and the pilot operating handbook. And one thing that we're really going to get into because I'm working a number of accidents right now where the airplanes were unairworthy, and and I'm in an argument with a, a number of folks right now um, because the paperwork was improper. It, the airplane wasn't uh, returned to service. The maintenance entries in the logbooks um, were non-existent or did not specify the work that was performed. They were not signed off correctly. And people go, well, that doesn't matter. The work was done. The airplane's flyable. No, it isn't because legally it isn't. And you as the pilot who's responsible for airworthiness of that aircraft and you're making that determination during a pre-flight, if there is no maintenance logbook entry, or it's not properly signed off for a return to service. You don't know if the work's been completed. You don't know what they touched. You don't know what's disconnected in that airplane until you take off and find out that the ailerons don't work or, you know, the elevator doesn't work. So I mean, these are the kinds of issues. It's the small things. It's the little things. It's the things that is very easy to forget as a pilot because you don't need to know it except for a check ride when you got to demonstrate something to a designated pilot examiner. Yeah, it's
2: it's just unbelievable where we're going with all this stuff today. And, it, and it's not necessarily the brand new pilots. Nope. You know, we got the flight instructions ones that are. But yeah. I, I was just looking at one earlier today where it was a very high time pilot that uh, that crashed an airplane that beyond description. And yeah. it, and we had that one. in uh, Was it Illinois on a very clear day? Yes. In an open field. Yep, and
1: and and come straight down. It's crazy, John. I don't know what I, I just don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, the, I can't imagine well, I can't imagine because I see it all the time. I'm dealing with it all the time. but if if we've created a new attitude of complacency in aviation and we're now running pilots through these pilot factories trying to get um, pilots into the commercial airlines, if they're going in with this kind of attitude, we're in serious, serious trouble. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and, and these pilot they, factories, uh, uh,
2: can, can and and seem to be leaving a lot to be desired. I, again, the, the FAA has a handful. I, yep. I've talked to, to uh, one of the FAA uh, office managers that that has one of those uh factories in his uh jurisdiction and he says that they have a lot of trouble with surveillance and pushing them
1: away from doing the uh, things that they shouldn't be doing yeah and and again when you're i mean we have a shortage of designated pilot examiners right now that too uh just compounds what's going on when you get uh, i mean i've got a kid that uh, i'm mentoring who uh, finished doing all of his private pilot uh, requirements and then sat for almost a month and a half waiting to do a check ride with a DPE. You gotta go back, you gotta fly again with your instructor, it costs more money, yada, yada, yada. And while he passed, I mean, the the problem is, what did he forget? And, And so, I mean, we're gonna start seeing, I really, really believe that we're gonna start seeing accidents like Colgan. And uh, and others where we've had pilots who really shouldn't be in the front end of an airplane, um, either because of their personality, their lack of qualifications, or they're moving, they're transitioning from one airplane to another um, or transitioning from right seat to left seat before they are actually ready. And and I think we're going to get another wave of this, John, um, because we're trying to force fit a bunch of people into the front end of airplanes that probably shouldn't be there.
2: You know, even when, if you go back 25 years, 30 years, where we didn't have the problem of a shortage, we didn't have a problem, we always had people that, that could go through the training, check all the boxes, but weren't suitable to go to the front end of a real airplane, or a commercial airplane. And today the pressure is to push those people right into those cockpits. So I, I think you're right on with, with the, some of that.
1: And, and I, you and I are going to be talking about the fact that, uh, again, with the airlines petitioning, one, they've taken the, uh, the college uh, aspect out of the uh, pilot requirements. And we've already talked about, uh, about that on a previous show. But now they want to dumb down the hours again. They want to bring them back down to 750 hours. And while we know that there are some very good 750-hour pilots, when you look at what the environment is right now, we're not going to be turning out highly qualified and competent 7 hundred and fifty hour uh, pilots. We're going to be turning out pilots with seven hundred and fifty hours so they meet a requirement. and where where's the NTSB with all this? They've chimed in with recommendations when we've done ac- or when they've done accidents and talked about experience and talked about pilot training and talked about all this stuff, and they even talked about, retirement age, when we bumped it from 60 to 65 and things like that. Where are they now? They've been silent. I sure haven't heard about what their feelings are based on their accident statistics. Yeah, they have been silent. And uh, the advocacy on this side
2: has been low. I'm, I, that's one of the questions I want to ask the NTSB when we get out to Oshkosh and they have their sessions. Where are they? And and with the quality with the general aviation accidents? Yep. I, I would love to see the NTSB take one or two general aviation accidents a month and put a full team on it. Yep. Not one guy, a full team. And and see if the outcome is different. You know, if the outcome is different, then maybe they need to take a look at what they're doing and way the way they're doing it. Because they sent yeah. one guy. I can remember uh, while I was at the board, it was not uncommon to have. Uh, these single investigators with over twenty investigations open. I mean, I I went out in the middle of nowhere in California to meet with one of the investigators from the L.A. office,
1: and that was his twenty-second accident, open accident. Well, I know yeah. when I was when I first started with the board, John. I mean, it was not uncommon to have fifty to seventy-five accidents backlogged, um, but we were investigating everything at that time back in the 80s and 90s, and then all of a sudden the board starts scaling down what we would send investigators out on. Now they barely go out. They send the FAA, and you and I have dissected enough of these accidents recently. I talk about it all the time. We hammer them all the time. COVID is a perfect example of how they're going to do basically shoddy investigations, quick, get it off my desk, go to the obvious cause kind of accidents. How does that promote aviation safety? And and, and, and they're going to espouse that they are the best investigative authority? I don't think so. And I got a lot of proof to to demonstrate that. The fact is, is that they are responsible for investigating aircraft accidents to identify the facts, conditions, and circumstances, the causes, and contributing factors, and make recommendations to enhance aviation safety. And I don't see them doing that. You know, privately, both of us have talked
2: separately with the trade associations, plus the insurance adjusters and investigators. And virtually to a, to a man, we hear the same thing that you just said. The investigations are not very good. And uh, you know what? We all have dirty hands in that because we need to stand up and talk about it. But nobody, yeah. nobody on the trade association side wants to tick off the NTSB. So none of them are opening their mouth. Somewhere along the line, somebody's got to have a forum in there where these issues can be brought up uh, to the FAA and to the NTSB and and try to get everybody back on track because there's just too many of them now that you see that are very weak investigations, leaving things behind, probable cause that doesn't fit the actual cause. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a shame. I mean, I feel sad for the NTSB because they have a, they had a stellar, uh, stellar recommend- reputation. <laughs> reputation. You know, that's over a big one.
1: <laughs> that's right. a big word for you, John.
2: Yep, and uh, <laughs> and they're losing it. I mean, the European investigations are, are heads and shoulders now above what when you read their reports hear yep. them to what we're putting out. There. Well, the
1: NTSB's. You... I'm waiting for some for them to close out some accidents right now that uh, we've alluded to regarding um, a certain series of Piper aircraft, as soon as those investigations are done, they're not going to be happy when we have you, me, and and Jason dissecting all the things that we found that the board never found, and for two years, they let an airplane that shouldn't have been flying fly. So, yeah. um, I mean, these are the kinds of things that we cannot have. It jeopardizes aviation safety. They're supposed to be a proactive safety agency not a reactive safety agency, and wait and continue and then find excuses why they aren't doing things. Um, It's getting old. Uh, Actually, it's been getting old for a very long time. And like you said, the industry recognizes that they actually laugh at them, but they can't do anything, and they're sure not going to say anything because they need to be interactive with the NTSB and or the FAA in these investigations. Yeah,
2: well, we kicked this horse around too long. Yep. So we'll be back again uh, around the 27th, which is uh, about 10 days away yep. uh, from Oshkosh. And we'll be back in the groove with our accidents. We're actually looking at changing the format of the show a little bit uh, for more detail into some of these these uh, findings and probable
1: cause. We're always a work in progress, John. That's what makes the, the show so interesting is that we're keeping it dynamic. We're changing it up. Um, you know, because we're going to we're going to take different twists, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to bring in a little different element to the show as well. But better yet, if anyone in the audience is headed to Oshkosh, definitely stop by the Avemco booth uh, on Thursday, um, because John and I, the flight safety detectives, will be there uh, hanging out at Avemco, since they are our prime sponsor, one of our prime sponsors. And so uh, we're going to be out there chatting it up. So definitely stop by, say hello, give us your story ideas, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we won't throw things at you and, and uh, you know, throw water on you if you show up and tell us that we stink. But uh, we definitely want the feedback. We always appreciate the feedback. And we enjoy meeting uh, the folks that listen to the show and contribute through emails and and other feedback for us so definitely show up definitely say hello and uh we'll be looking forward to uh to chatting with you all
2: right that's two o'clock on thursday at, at the booth i plan on being there on wednesday and friday as well but no not a not at a fixed time so as we wander around i planned on stopping back to the
1: booth Yep, and i'll be there all week because i'm giving a number of different presentations throughout the week starting on sunday uh, basically opening day at Theater in the Woods. And then I'll be uh, periodically giving presentations over in the FAA Safety Forum building, the air-conditioned building. And um, and then I'll also be emceeing the uh, General Aviation Awards. So uh, those are very, very prestigious awards for our community, for uh, Flight Instructor of the Year, Maintenance Technician of the Year, FAST Team Representative of the Year, Um, and, and it's definitely an honor to, uh, to host that particular event and, uh, just, you know, full disclosure, I sit on the board of directors for the general aviation awards, and then I'll be hovering over at the NAFI tent, the national association of flight instructors, because I do sit on the board for NAFI and we have a lot of good presentations, a good friend of mine, Brian Schiff and others will be giving presentations. So definitely stop by. You don't have to be a flight instructor. To, uh, to join NAFI and, and definitely come over and, and talk to us. There's a lot of talent over there that uh, you may learn from. So with all of these things uh, going on, we look forward to seeing you and definitely talking to you while we're roaming around, John and I roam the air. Uh, i tell you what, I think the last time you and I were together, I know that I clocked like 23 or 24,000 steps one day for all the walking we did throughout the show. I was crippled that one day from the walking that we did. Oh. Yeah. So, looking forward to seeing you all. And again, uh, definitely, John, I'm going to leave you with our last words, but uh, we look forward to seeing all of our supporters uh, to say hello who are coming to Oshkosh. And definitely stop by, say hello to the folks at Avemco, get some insurance quotes from them. They're great people. That's why we uh, we love working with them. And we look forward to working with them for a long time in the future and having you as one of our definite, definite supporters for the show, Flight Safety Detective. So with that, John, you have our last words. And I'll, I'll be a little more brief than
2: I usually am. We just talked about the pre-flight issues. Please pre-plan your flight. Make sure to pre-plan the weather. You know, look at point A where you're leaving, point B where you're going, and everything in between, right? Too many people make mistakes. Watch that gust lock. Touch your airplane. You know, be involved. Be involved. And if you're a student and you're out there renting an airplane, like the ones that we see so many students having problems with in the last few months, make sure you have renter's insurance. And Vemco has a nice plan. Scott, I mean Scott, Todd has, uh, Todd went out and reached uh, Vemco and got insurance because he's back to flying again, uh, student flying. So, I mean, and he told, I don't know what it costs, but he said it was reasonable. And uh, it covers your Covers your family. Covers everybody. So don't don't do anything dumb. Please, fly (laughs) safely.
0: To listen or watch more episodes of this show, go to flightsafetydetectives.com, the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel, or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. To contact John and Greg about the show, send them an email at flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com. And remember, for aviation insurance needs, contact Avemco Insurance at avemco.com or give them a call at 888-879-0389. Mention Flight Safety Detectives and receive a 5% discount. Thanks for listening to the Flight Safety Detectives and remember to always fly safe.